they're in Liberty Land. No, let's go. What's wrong? No. No. Okay, hey, we're on air. What's happening out there, you lucky Libertados? Welcome to another stirring episode of the Scottish Liberty Podcast on Thursday, the 8th of December, 2016, with my co-host. Anthony Samaroff. And me, Tom Laird. Uh, what's on the agenda today? Well, apart from a delicious smoothie, again, once courtesy of Pan Samarov, we have quite delicious. Uh, this one is, uh, what's in it? What's in the smoothie? Apple, banana, orange, vita, cocoa, half a lemon. Half a lemon. Mm. It's quite, that's, it gives it a bit zesty. of a zing. That's yeah, zesty. And, and it's, as well. it, it reminds me a little bit of a cremola foam. I remember having that as a kid. Who, who gets that anymore? I don't know. But anyway, so we'll start off by Do saying, you get it anymore? Uh, I've never seen Cremona phone for years, but apparently you still get it. And I wish I knew it because I love this stuff. It's probably hideously bad for you. And we'll give your children three heads or something, but it tastes really good. Um, so do I have a right to this smoothie, Anthony? Well, you've got a right to it because I gave it to you. Uh, I'm, I'm bought the oranges, bananas, apples, Vita Coco, the half lemons. Okay, I didn't even contribute to making it, and I probably won't even have the goddamn decency to wash the glass when I'm finished with it, because that's the kind of selfish, uh, self-interested individual. But um, uh, individual, individualist. <laughs> totally. Um, so, I mean, what else would you expect from a capitalist swine like myself? What I was going to say is, and the reason I'm asking that is, uh, apparently, the SNP have decided that they want to include in a future Scottish constitution the right to food. Mm. Now, I was having a quick look through the internet, because obviously you've got like, the right to food, well, who would buy it? You know, why wouldn't you just go down to the local you know, government institution, whatever it was, and say, I demand that you feed my face right now, and it better be with something I like. Um, but apparently the right to food, according to the United Nations, is not, doesn't mean that the government has got, a, has got an obligation to hand food out. It just means, figure it out, that you have a right to, uh, nobody has a right to deny you uh, food and sustenance. Um, hmm. Let's suppose it was a good idea. Why do we really need it in a constitution? I mean, why should that be in there as opposed to anything else? I mean, should anybody have the right to deny you your property? Uh, should anybody have the right to deny you uh, an education? Should anybody have the right to deny you anything? So, I mean, I don't, I'm not sure what they actually mean by a right to food. What do you what do you think of it? Well, if you're saying that it's not the case that they're saying that people have the obligation to feed you um, if you're poor or whatever, um, I mean, we should maybe talk about what would be wrong with that. I mean, yeah. it seems on the face of it, a very compassionate thing to do um, to say, look, you know, no one's got the right. No one's got. No one should have to starve to death. First of all, in an industrialized nation, does anyone really starve to death? Unless it's a case of deliberate neglect from parents. I mean, there's plenty of, no one really goes starving in Western countries. There's plenty of places that you can go to get free food if you are in need. You know, the, right. the, the, there are services there to cater for the homeless or the needy uh, that will provide them with food. But the, this question of, but apparently people are going hungry. Right. What would be the difference? Well, the thing is, the 
what would be the difference? People are going hungry. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is the thing. When you take a snapshot of yeah. you, you don't know why people are going hungry. Yeah. Are they going hungry because the state has intervened so much in the housing market, uh, prices of rent and mortgages sky high, and so you know they couldn't keep up the mm. payments. Uh, you know, are they hungry because they, um, you know, uh, well, first of all, what do, what, I mean, what do the left really mean when they say people are going hungry? I mean, like I went hungry. I've, I, I'll go hungry regularly. I mean, it's like this couple of days I'll come home, I haven't had a chance to eat anything during the day, and I go to bed and go, I'm quite hungry, but I'll just wait till tomorrow. So I've went hungry. Right. But um, that's not exactly what that's, I don't think that's what they mean. By going hungry. They, they mean that they're going hungry because they don't, they, they can't afford to buy food on that particular day. What, what is wrong with saying if someone is in that position, the government has an obligation to buy food on their behalf? Well, first of all, where would they get the money to buy the food? They would have to take that money. The government, well, I don't, if Nicola Sturgeon was, Sturgeon was going into her own handbag and taking out money from her own purse and then going down to the supermarket and buying food and giving it to people. I, don't, I guess I don't have a problem with that. No, but, you know, it's, that's it's her salary that she's using. But if she's not using that, she's using taxpayers' money. That means she's she's robbing Peter to pay Paul. She's taking money by force because that's the only way. Well, it's not the only way government can get money. But by and large, government raises taxes by using the threat of force behind it. If you do not pay your taxes, uh, we will punish you. Initially, by summoning you to court and finding if you, and you don't comply with that, we will eventually send the police to lay hands on you and arrest you and forcibly put you in prison uh, if you do not pay your tax. And if you resist the police, they will use violence against you in order to, to take it. And that's that's really what it comes down to. So when you say that the government should feed people, um, then that would lead to people. Why why would I buy food if I have a right to it? That kind of right to it. Right. So it's a thing that's going to spread. So the thing is, this is one of the things where people will say, "Well, all oh, libertarians don't care about the poor because they wouldn't even say that food is a basic human right." Well, from our point of view, you don't have a right to anything that someone else has to produce. So you can't say you have the right to that food if someone else has to actually grow the food and. And make the food and things like that. And um, you can't, if you're not allowed to go up to that person's house and steal that food, then why should the government be given any rights that an individual does not have? A government is simply made of individuals. What gives them the right to do things that those individuals themselves have not got the right to do? And we would say nothing. Now, food is not particularly expensive, but it's worthy to add that because we've got all sorts of restrictions on buying food from third world countries, Africa and South America uh, and other places, we're actually paying a lot, significantly more um, for food than we even would be paying on a true free market. And it's worse for the people in those countries because they really need the economic activity to get their economy going. So food's not expensive, and it could be even more cheap on a free market. And in an advanced economy such as ours, there's no reason why anyone should have to go hungry. We don't need the government to come in and mandate that because that's just a step down the road to serfdom. Mm -hmm. 
when you start saying, when the government starts saying, oh, people have a right to this, a right to that, it might seem relatively benign, but in the long term, what they're actually doing is expanding the remit of what is considered fair game for government to interfere in. And soon you get things like, oh, well, we need to nationalize the farms because, you know, um, people don't want to give away their food for yeah. free. So, so nationalize, next step, nationalize the supermarkets. Yeah. So, so it might seem relatively benign. If you want to feed the poor, that's a fantastic thing. I don't think anyone should have to go hungry in this country. Um, or anywhere actually but government this is a, a matter a social matter and not all social matters are matters for the government you know we are society you and I are society and it's our job to make sure that these things are dealt with and um, collectively and um, for, for individuals to choose what cause they think is most important what change they want to see in the world and champion that cause or get active in that cause not for government to start coming in and, as you've said, um, robbing Peter to pay Paul. Yeah, uh, I, 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 I tend to agree. But I mean, there's, there's, there's lots of incidents. I mean, I was reading recently about an incident in, uh, okay, it's in America, but uh, I'm sure some of the things happened here, but there was somebody in, uh, in New York decided to feed the homeless and it was the government who clamped down on wow. it. You know, because they said, you know, well, you're not confirming. <coughs> certain regulations so well, look i'm feeding homeless people here i'm not even charging them any money for it but no you can't do that because you don't have the you know you're not complying with certain bylaws and you're not you know you, the food how do we know that that food you're serving mm. has been stringently tested yeah, to see if yeah. it's you know so yeah, all, that, all that kind of bullshit and there's another thing when you have the state responsible for trash collection you know all the all the food that's getting thrown away from supermarkets and things like that and maybe i think in france or something like that they brought in a law saying oh supermarkets have to donate their money but that would probably sorry donate their unused food but that would probably end up happening on a free market anyway because if you're not going to sell that food at a knockdown rate the trash disposal company anything that you throw away that is valuable, they're going to find someone that they can shift it onto, you know, yeah. uh, because that keeps their costs low because they don't need to find a way of disposing that, and whether it goes to a farm for pigs for fertilizer or whether it goes to charities that are local. That's how the trash disposal, the private trash disposal company, keeps their costs down, which is to find creative ways of um, disposing of things. And if the supermarkets decide to um, spray it with something so that it's inedible, uh, as they have been accused of doing in the past, or mushing it all together, well then they'll have to pay more money. So they'll want to keep, to get it disposed of, so they'll want mm. to keep their costs down. Uh, and and I think that on such a free market, we'll see a lot less food wastage, and you wouldn't need to worry too much about people going hungry, certainly. Okay, here's here's a here's a question. If um if somebody's incarcerated um by the government um and you're you're put in a, a prison, does does the government have a duty to feed you then? Well, I would say they do because if you because they're basically you you've not got the capacity to feed yourself. Unless they're giving you the opportunity. They they basically held you in hiatus. And they've not they, they're not giving you the capacity to feed yourself so 
if there is a way that you can work for your supper and you've got a couple of options for doing that, then perhaps if you if you don't pitch in, then you don't get fed. Right. But when you're under duress, it's like, um, you know, if you had a, I don't know, a broken leg and you were staying here and you couldn't move, and I just left you in my room and didn't feed you for a few days, I'd basically be guilty of, um, okay. of neglect. So you think that... Uh, while you're incarcerated by the government or while you've been looked after by a state institution, they have a basic duty. But they don't, I mean, they don't have to give you steak. You don't have to, you know. But likewise, you know, if you've got a child that you've chosen to have that child and you neglect to feed them and starve them to death, you're culpable because they can't do anything to get food themselves. Well, that's kind of different in a way because with a kid, I mean, it hasn't done anything wrong. It's just been born. Mm. Somebody's, I'm assuming that the person who's been incarcerated has been incarcerated because they've committed a crime. They've interfered with the individual rights of somebody else to such a degree that they deserve incarceration. Um, is it incumbent upon the upon the institution to feed them or should they be saying, well, look, this, this person that we've incarcerated has got a family and mm. if they want to feed them, they're going to have to bring food to the jail or they're going to have to well, pay. That's an that's a interesting because I think that's how it We're used to work. I mean, I think back in the bad old days, you know, people just get through in a dungeon or whatever. I think you got basic bread mm. and water, and you got basic sustenance. And if you wanted to eat anything else, then your family or whatever had to bring in food for you to to eat. I hear you. So I'm interested to hear yeah. what other people who are watching think. Yeah, of our other two viewers, welcome to the show. Thank you for <laughs> joining you. us, um, yeah. whoever you are. And uh, we're, we're keen to get your viewpoint and yeah. uh, we'll try and answer any questions that you have. Okay, well, moving on from the right to food to possibly right to medical uh, treatment. I was reading in today's um, I newspaper. Uh, again, yeah, I don't really uh, have any particular preference for this newspaper other than it's pretty cheap and it's concise. So uh, on, in their health uh, section, it's to do with uh, uh, somebody help me out here. I don't know how you're going to do it, but it's, is it Pfizer or is it Pfizer? I think it's Pfizer. Is it Pfizer? P F I Z E R. Anyway, okay, so we'll call it Pfizer until somebody else. Uh, uh, Pfizer's is different. Uh, Pfizer hit with record fine for hiking cost of NHS epilepsy drug by 2,600%. Okay. Uh, and uh, the US drugs giant was fined a record. 84.2 million by competition watchdogs yesterday for overcharging the NHS for anti-epilepsy medicine prescribed to thousands of patients. The Competition and Markets Authority. Wow. Who, who knew about them? Competition and Markets Authority. Yeah, it's only because if only there was some centralised body uh, funded by the taxpayer who could make decisions about that market would, choices. And, and make make free markets more free. Yeah, and make yeah. them work better, you know, because you wouldn't know how to compete with the guy next to you if the government didn't tell you exactly how. So anyway, the Competition Markets Authority, the CMA, also found Factors UK distribu distributor, Flynn Pharma, 5.2 million for increasing the cost of the drug by 2,600%. Overnight in 2012, NH spending on phenytoin sodium capsules used by 48,000 UK patients rose from 2 million a year in 2012 to about 50 million in 2013. The CMA said the companies had abused their dominant position in the pharmaceuticals market and broken competition law. 
UK prices for the drug were many times higher than in Europe, the regulator found. Uh, which begged, didn't they just buy it from, from Europe? Europe. Uh, but anyway, I mean, I'll go on a bit here, but you get the basic idea. What do you have to say about this there, Mr. Semerat? Well, it's such a um, complicated topic from a libertarian perspective yeah. because the thing is, once you understand the NAP, the non-aggression principle, thou shalt not hit anyone, take their, their stuff, yeah. defraud them, you know, get them to act under false pretenses, then you can make sense about um, the world in terms of is coercion involved or not. Whereas this is such a mindfuck of voluntary and non-voluntary. The yeah. NHS is not a voluntary institution, people. It's funded at the point of a gun through the tax system. Now, you may well think that's justified, but it does complicate you know, who, the, the issue of who's got rights here. Mm -hmm. I mean, they said this, um, this corporation has been fined for hiking up the cost of drugs, mm -hmm. but at, on one hand, the, the, the government's fining them. On the other hand, they've given them special privileges. They've yeah. given them the privilege of having patents on those drugs. Yeah. You know, patents are not a free market phenomenon. They're created by government. Yeah. So it's like, and also, how's the fine going to harm the people responsible well, 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 for here, profiteering. Just, just quickly, right, to put this in perspective, if the fines imposed on the two firms are upheld by the competition tribunal, factors penalty would equate to less than five days profit for the multinational, which earned more than 7.7 .7 billion uh, last year. Um, it's not as if Mr. Feitzer, whoever he is, goes under his mattress and takes out a big wad of notes and says, God damn it, I've got to pay off these uh, CMA twats. He's just going to either shed workers or, you know, work still, hike up the price of his product gradually and across yeah. the board so that it's covered and you, the consumer, yeah. will end up paying the fine. Yeah, the consumer pays the fine, the, um, the workers pay the fine, and, okay, if the shareholders pay a portion of the fine, that's not that money isn't just there. That's money that would otherwise go into investing in that business or investing in another business that's going to produce things. So if people commit a crime in a corporation, the corporation shouldn't get fined. There should be investigation into who's responsible, and those individuals should have to be personally liable. Yeah. Now, what those individuals could do is go to a bank and get insurance mm. or or against that liability but ultimately um finding a corporation is not a, a solution okay that might you might think well if it's only five days profits that that that's not enough that's not much but you don't actually understand what goes into making that profit i mean most people don't people think that when they when they see oh this company's making hundreds of millions or billions in profit, they don't see the difference between their revenue and their profit. That profit might only be 20% of their total revenue. Yeah. You think if you shoplift out of the supermarket, you think, well, it's a great big corporation. They're not really losing that much money. But the truth is that supermarket might be running a one or two pence profit yeah. Yeah. on many items. And the reason why they make such a big profit is because they're selling so many items so when you nick 
uh, £25 worth of shopping, that actually is a much, much bigger expense to the supermarket than you think. And shoplifting in supermarkets actually costs the consumer significant millions yeah. every year. And it's the same with these kinds of fines. I was just trying to get some details mm. up uh, on the price of drugs. So do you want to take the floor? Um, yeah, it's just it, with the problem when you have uh, a state monopoly like the NHS uh, in bed with big pharmaceuticals. Because I mean, the, you know, the, these these big companies enter into um, tenders with the NHS, and it's it, it's not really that competitive. There's all sorts of lobbying goes on that, that gives them preferential treatment. I mean, I know someone who provides the provides paint for the NHS in Scotland, right? Lots of it. And the person concerned doesn't really make paint. He just mm. buys it from someone else, right. uh, puts his own labels on it, and, you know, get, gets a markup. Um, what's the... What's the deal there? That, that that doesn't seem. I mean, I, I really don't know what's going on there. And, and I, I smell a giant rat when when the NHS starts to get into bed with companies like big tobacco companies to make um, e-cigarettes. Right. Now you may think that e-cigarettes and the NHS may think that e-cigarettes are the way to go to wean people off cigarettes. I don't know what the empirical evidence for that is. Uh, I, I suppose it's it's up for argument. But let's say for a minute, give them an argument and say that that is the way to go. Well, if you really think that e-cigarettes are the way to go, why are you bringing in one company to, yeah, to, to give preferential treatment? Why not just give people vouchers and let them buy their own e-cigarettes yeah, from wherever yeah, the, the cheapest place they can get them? It's cronyism. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <coughs> so what have you got for us there? Well, just this is actually for America, which who and the per capita prescription drug spending in the United States exceeds that of all countries and it's $858 per head is spent on prescription drugs in America which is more than twice the average of $400 for 19 other industrialized nations and the thing is that this study found that the most important factor allowing manufacturers to set high drug prices, which is why it's relevant to us here, it was market exclusivity. Right. In other words, protected monopoly rights of companies to sell right. those drugs which were awarded to them in America mm -hmm. by the Food and Drug Administration, and, and I guess we've, and, and patents, and patents. So we've got a similar situation here where there really is a pharmaceutical industrial complex, yeah. and uh, their their interests aren't aligned with the interests of the consumer. I mean, supposing I get a drug and I get a side effect, and then the doctor prescribes me more drugs for my side effect, that's a boon yeah. to the pharmaceutical companies. Um, so, th so it's not like it, it, if the Pharmaceutical companies stand to gain from people being sick in this system. Actually. Yeah, it's not a healthcare system; it's a sick care it's system. It's a sick care system. Um, it's if you had a free market system where, when you were where where you paid for healthcare all year round, 
and then you received that care when you needed it yeah and your insurance company and your doctors had the incentive to keep you well then they'd want then the pharmaceutical companies would start to want to create the best drugs with the least number of side effects because they're actually out of pocket when they're giving you drugs instead mm -hmm. the more sick you are the more money the system's making so I mean, again, we could do a whole topic on yeah. healthcare versus sick care one day if people are interested. Yeah, and, and, and incentives on doctors to to prescribe drugs for children and, yeah. uh, and yeah. for behavioural problems because there's these because there's incentive fines to do so. Just could you quickly tell us? I mean, there's a a lot. Some people out there might be going, "Hang on a minute," you know, America's spending. But surely America is a free market, isn't isn't that what we hear all the time? That America is a is a privatized mm. uh, healthcare yes, system, unlike yes. the NHS. Well, there, America does have a private system of healthcare, but it is and by no means a free market in healthcare. A free market in healthcare would mean that there's a direct transaction between the issuer of healthcare and the consumer. Now, 50% of healthcare spending, I believe, in America is by the government. So that's already a red light. But what's more, there's massive uh, restrictions on the supply of healthcare in America. Um, uh, the, in many states, I think in 19 states, it's illegal. They're, they're limited to only having one medical school. And what do we know about supply and demand? The less medical practitioners there are, the higher the cost of, cost of healthcare. Every year, thousands and thousands and thousands of applicants who want to go to medical school are denied. And, and that creates a bottleneck in supply. In many cases, you're not just allowed to build a hospital unless you go be you go ahead of a committee of big hospital administrators and right. demonstrate that the community needs this hospital and that you're willing to fund it all on your own and the people on the committee are going to be officials from the other hospitals that you're that going are, to be competing yeah, with yeah right. yeah okay, yeah so there's there's massive restrictions in the supply of healthcare there's massive restrictions even on the supply of oh here's an interesting fact the association of american medical colleges warned that the usa could be short of 150,000 doctors by 2025 if graduation rates did not change meanwhile 19 states are limited to only having uh, one uh, one medical school uh, what's more, everything a doctor does doesn't require seven years of training, but the law requires everyone to have at least seven year, years right. of training to do it. So the the uh, obvious solution is to allow doctor surgeries and clinics and hospitals to train their own assistants so they can delegate uh, responsibilities to lower skilled staff and keep spe specialists. To, I just want to make mention one more point. Sure. Uh, on that, which is that um, even when it comes to insurance, there's laws against getting insurance from a, a insurance company that isn't in the same state as you, which stops people from bargaining to get the best deal. Right. And that all of these things interfere with the free market in healthcare in the USA 
and make it um, more expensive than it would otherwise be. Yeah. As well, well as many other things. Who would have thought it? The government getting involved in things can screw it up. Um, if you're, uh, how many viewers do we have at the moment? If you're, if you're watching, if you've been listening, could you let us know how it's going? How the how the sound is, in fact. You've got one viewer apparently. Could um, you let us know if you can hear us loud and clear? Just uh, I don't know, wave or something. <laughs> Hi. Hi. Uh, okay. So we're done with healthcare. I'm done with healthcare. We're done with healthcare. Okay. Next item on the agenda again from the eye newspaper. Mm -hmm. uh, just uh, convenient. We're going to go to uh, good old-fashioned uh, Jew hating. Jew hatred. Jew hatred. Yeah, it's all the rage apparently. Uh, again, uh, it never went away. Truth be known, but uh, I'll read it out. Uh, it's in their court section. Anti-Semitic blogger guilty of harassing harassing Jewish MP. A racist. That's an interesting one in itself. But anyway, a racist internet troll was found guilty yesterday of harassing the MP Luciana Berger in a series of anti-Jewish rants he sent after the jailing of a fellow far-right extremist. Joshua Bonnell Payne, 24, wrote five hate-filled blogs about the Labour MP for Liverpool, Wavertree, after Garen Helm, what? After Garen Helm was sent to prison for four weeks in October 2014. Bonnell Payne denied racially aggravated harassment but was convicted by an old belly jury. Helm 21 from Merseyside had admitted posting a picture on Twitter which showed Ms. Berger, 35, with a Holocaust era star of David. Why is that always relevant? Why do they always tell you what age somebody is, by the way? They always go like, you know, Ms. Berger, 35. Like, you know, who cares yeah. what age she's about? Anyway, with a Holocaust era star of David on her forehead and the hashtag, quote, Hitler was right, unquote. Wow. Right. Wow. Now, over the next four months, Bonnell Payne posted articles online calling her, quote, a dominatrix and, quote, an evil money grabber. And she had a, quote, deep hatred, deep rooted hatred of men, unquote. In one, he claimed the number of Jewish Labour MPs was a problem. He illustrated his post with offensive pictures throughout Bonnell, uh, throughout Bonnell Payne of Yobel, Somerset was on bail awaiting sentence for claiming on Twitter that several people were paedophiles. Yeah, uh, well, <laughs> I'm sure several people are paedophiles. Did he uh, mean several specific several, people? I think they meant it was several specific people that he said were paedophiles. Giving evidence in person, Ms. Berger inset, it's a wee picture over there, um, she looks a bit like, uh, I don't know, that woman that was in Lord of the Rings. Uh, Miss Berger said she felt sickened by the blogs and very much under attack. Mr. Justice Spencer adjourned sentencing until a later date. Okay, this guy sounds like a nasty piece of work. <coughs> Does he deserve to go to jail for, you know, as, on the evidence, on the, well, yeah, the on the evidence, well, he's uh, found guilty of harassing. Julia Berger in a series of anti-Jewish rants. Basically, that's it. So I guess that's what he was. Uh, he was. He denied racially aggravated harassment. Well, I mean, if she he's calling her names for being a Jew, it sounds like it's racially aggravated. I mean, what did he? What's he claiming that he just generally didn't like her? It seems like he's got a yeah. But whether okay, yeah, okay. But whether you racially aggravate, whether right, whether the cause of harassing somebody, right? Okay, is, can you harass somebody? Well, do you want to test it out? <laughs> I'm constantly harassed by this guy. Uh, well, if, I mean, what, first of all, what's harassment? Okay, is it physical? Is it verbal? 
you're not allowed to harass people as far as I'm concerned, as far as I know generally. Mm -hmm. What difference does it make if I harass you because uh, I, I like you? I might harass somebody because I like them. You know, I could be a, a stalker because I actually fallen in love with some woman. Uh, uh, love Tyler, that was the name of the woman I was trying to think. She looks a bit like that, not as attractive, but there you go. I've said she's not as attractive as Love Tyler as that harassment. Um, I'm not trying to defend the guy in terms of, uh, he sounds quite horrible, but I think in the same vein that I defended uh, Anjum Chowdhury on his charges, uh, I don't mean I defended him personally, I wasn't the guy in court giving it mullered, you know, yeah. and, uh, that's why he would have went down. Um, I just mean that I defended his right to say the things that he said. I defend the right of this guy to say horrible things and to place them on Facebook or on Twitter. Um, and Does she not have, just have the capacity to block him? Well, you would think that was rather obvious, just block mm. the, the guy. Uh, but that's what I would say as well, you know. But I mean, okay, somebody's posting shit through your letterbox. Can't you just tape your letterbox up? I mean, I don't know. It's I, I, as far as I can see, he never threatened to kill her. He never threatened to do her any harm. Not not from the evidence of that article. Maybe they remember the stuff came up in the trial that we're not privy to. But in accordance with what I'm reading from that article. He didn't physically harass her. He didn't say that he was going to kill her. He didn't say he was going to do any harm. There wasn't any rape threats. There was just nasty stuff, calling her, uh, saying that she was a dominatrix. I don't know. Maybe she is a dominatrix. Well, I've got no idea. Why is that an insult? Well, this is what this is what brings us on to something else as well. When it talks about he, he claimed several people, specific people, were paedophiles. That's uh, surely libelous. It's libelous under current laws. Um, however, there are some libertarians who would say that, you know, what difference does it make? Um, why should people, why should it be illegal for somebody to say anything about you, you know? Uh, if it's criminal, like as paedophilia is, um, we need to provide evidence. If they can't provide evidence, then I know, should it be a crime in of itself to say something untrue about somebody? I mean, I might say somebody's you know, somebody smells, you know, uh, Nicola Sturgeon smells of poo. Um, yeah, no. you um, dance naked with a goat every Sunday night when you do your satanic For rituals. For fuck's sake, Anthony, I mean, um, come on, right? I mean, you didn't have to tell with... everybody in the entire world, I don't know, you didn't have to tell two people in the entire I, I, world. See, I, world. I thought I was making it up, I thought I was harassing you by, oh, did you, right? by yeah, making okay. false statements about me. Well, no, look, no, my, no, so my sexual conduct is of no relevance or interest to our, uh, our non-paying public out there. So, yeah. so, I mean, it's an interesting question, should the guy be in the jail? Well, we were going clearly to under existing laws. He's, he's broken. He's 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 he's, uh, he's broken well, the uh, law. Well, we don't know that yet until he goes up in front of the judge. But right, essentially, yeah. where the is beak. the line? Like, where are you not allowed to cross? Because see, if I just stand like this, and go, I'm not touching you. You yeah. can't get mad at me. I'm not touching you. Well, you right? kind of isn't. Don't agree that somebody's got a personal space. Well, you might very well agree, but I don't agree. I mean, I'm not touching you, so you can't get annoyed at me. Okay. You know, when when is the line crossed? Well, I guess. Okay, what would be the circumstances if you sit right of you sitting like that and then doing that? Would it be in a public bar? 
for example. <laughs> so I could say to whoever owns the public bar, look, I'm not happy with this person sitting with their hand in their face. And they could go, could you stop doing that or you'd be removed from the premises? Or he could say, well, he's not actually harming you, that's fine. In which case I could go, okay, yeah. well, I won't be drinking in this pub anymore right. because you allow people yeah. to, to, to get in other people's right, personal right. space. So, uh, so there's, there's some discernment there. Whereas if you go to me, can you please stop that? I can go, well, look, you're in my house. So while you're in my house, yeah, yeah, you I can wave my you, you hand in be. front of your face as much as I want. Yeah, Otherwise, yeah. you can just... Yeah. Go away just and get your the hand podcast out of my, face, my own girlfriend. Yeah, <coughs> you can't be doing that. Right. So, so, so you have, this leads on to something else. You were talking, didn't your dad send you some article to do with yeah, the about to kill him? It was actually to do with to kill him mocking. Yeah, that that article about anti-Semitism is just like playing up identity politics. One one article says Jews have a duty to. Um, stand with people of color and other people who are um, being oppressed and someone else says well Jews aren't white and uh, anti-semitism isn't new in America and has been going on for a long time and it's like from my point of view I really do despise all this playing victim stuff I mean okay if you're personally victimized a hundred percent you've got every right to it but claiming um, victimization because you're, you're a member of a group right okay i've maybe got some dodgy comments for being from a jewish background i'd say over the course of my life i've probably faced more disadvantages from being short now the same might not be true for my grandparents families in fact uh, horrible horrible things happened in the polish side of my lineage but i'm not like claiming victimhood or special privileges or anything like that for that and um i just don't i hate people grabbing for um ident for victimhood based on yeah. their identity and membership in a certain group it's like sort your shit out okay yeah i totally accept in the case of african americans it's a very specific case in america many of whom whom came from uh, slavery and perhaps the government do has owed some kind of due but all the problems in black communities in America are not caused by the state and um, a lot of them are caused by say um, the huge amounts of fatherlessness and uh, single motherhood in that community and that community is not particularly self-reflective of that you don't get black leaders saying we've got to We've got to keep the family together. You've got to stop having children when you're not married. You've got to choose partners better. Now, maybe the state is partially responsible for that. Maybe with minimum wage laws, if priced black workers disproportionately out the market, and there is a lot of evidence that... Um, it's directly correlated. As soon as they put, as soon as yeah. Every time that the minimum wage goes up, black unemployment goes up at goes the same up. time. And, and I, I accept that. And... I, I think that, but do you think that these community leaders are saying we need to, um, in that community, do you think that their leaders are saying we really need to lobby the government for lower minimum wages? Probably not. And, you know, they, they, they really, um, and it's the same for, I think Jews are the most successful ethnic group in America. So obviously, one, they're doing something right. And two, they're not being that badly persecuted in America right now. Um, so 
so well, it's, I keep mean, on doing whatever you're yeah. doing right, you know, Jews in, Jews in America, and, and congratulations on your success. I mean, yeah, okay, I would have largely agree with that. I mean, it seems to me that, um, I mean, you could make an argument that uh, various people, various peoples and at various times and various circumstances have been subject to um, racism or prejudice. But it seems to be that anti or Jew hatred, uh, let's call it that, has been quite prevalent throughout uh, Eastern and Western Europe, certainly, um, for centuries. Um, and it obviously after the Holocaust, it abated a little bit. But it's you know it seems to be coming back. There was the recent row in the Labour Party about mm -hmm. uh, um, anti-Jewish comments, um, and. You know, I, I can completely understand why certain people within the, the, the Jewish community get nervous when mm. these things start to be bandied about. But um, the, the point I was going to make is when people start to say, well, you know, like racism is the, is the cause of these of, of problems within certain communities. Fact of the matter is Chinese people suffer racism. Mm. They don't have the problems within their community that they have in, let's say, uh, Afro-Caribbean communities. And even within uh, black communities, afro Caribbean tend to suffer different problems from people from uh, Af black African mm -hmm. uh, background. Um, Japanese people in America, uh, certainly after the Second World mm -hmm. War, were uh, discriminated against mm -hmm. terribly. A lot of them were interned in concentration camps in America during the war. Yet, uh, it didn't stop them for, for the vast majority of them after the war from excelling mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, and achieving. Mm -hmm. So the idea, and as you said, and Jews throughout history have 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 been uh, have been discriminated against. Yet it doesn't stop them from being successful and mm -hmm. achieving. Now that's clearly not the case across the board. I'm sure out there somewhere there's a Jewish guy who's a complete fuck up, and he fucking he hasn't got a job, and he's not a lawyer, and he's not uh, you know, yeah. and he's not working for Metro Goldwyn Mayer, whatever, writing scripts. There's probably guys like that, but we're just talking as a general across the board for the size of the community. They they, they tend to overachieve. Yes. Um, yes, and uh, they, they they maybe have some good cultural influence uh, or traditions and things like that. Um, a good work ethic, high expectations, and uh, on average, uh, highly intelligent. Um, but so so I don't. So what what point are we going to here? Well, we're also did we're we want to do we want to talk about killing yeah, killing them off? Killing personal, them off it's basically about personal responsibility. It's like the world is going to try and sell you this idea that for some reason or another you're a victim, and some people embrace you're that and love that. And even on the individual level, this ties into the social justice warriors because if you're a victim, you're entitled to something. Yeah. Well, look, you might think that, but it's not. A good mindset either for any individual or any community any wise person or community will say what is in our control and what can we do to better ourselves in whatever capacities we can and what is not in our control uh, can we try and change it if we can't try and change it then can we make the best in a bad condition and communities who've done that have seemed to excel yeah. So, okay. But uh, just quick, yeah, on to kill a mockingbird. Uh, for those of you who don't know, the, uh, the famous book by Harper Lee. She recently wrote a prequel. Did she? Yeah. Uh, after forty years or fifty mm -hmm. years, she wrote a prequel to uh, um, to this story 
of a small town lawyer played in the movie by Gregory Peck, as I recall, who takes on the case of a, a poor black man. Um, I say a poor black man because he, he was poor, he had no money. I don't mean he was a poor black man. Mm. Um, who's, although he was. Although he was, yeah. He was uh, falsely accused of raping a, a white woman. That's significant because that, that was the outrage. And the idea that the small town lawyer would take on the case um, was, you know, turned people in the town against him. Uh, and it's a it's a movie, but it was a book I got at school and I hated it. Right, I, but right. The re well, the reason I hated it was because I was forced to read it. It was part of the curriculum, and I just thought I just don't want to read this book. I mean, the kind of person that at the time I was I had no interest in this kind of. I just sounded like more civil rights, civil rights to me. But uh, <laughs> yeah. so uh, I mean, I read it later as an adult, and it's it's a it's a fantastic book, uh, and it's it's a good story. But it's they're, they're now removing it from the curriculum. Uh, in the United States, because the book contains uh, racial epithets, racial slurs. Uh, I don't know whether yeah, it's along with Huckleberry Finn. Huckleberry Finn's uh, again. It's like Mark Twain. You, you, yes, people use terms like nigger in his books, but they're never sympathetic. It's never done sympathetically. I love um, Mark Twain's um, sensitivity. Do you know? Yeah. Uh, when when you read the adventures of Tom Sawyer, um, his mum gives him a hiding, but she feels really guilty about spanking him, and um, she actually thinks, you know, she's conflicted on one hand. She thinks maybe if she did it more, he'd behave better, but she hates doing it, and I feel like that was really ahead of its time, and his obviously, you know, his treatment of characters who who call other called black people niggers it's painted in a light of being ignorant yeah and, and to kill a mockingbird is a book about racism prejudice, prejudice. Prejudice and it's people, not yeah. it's not why what are they trying to shield well like the, their guests are the trying reality. to shield, shield shield them from being triggered you know right. uh, black people are going to be triggered by these words and and the books and that's i find that's kind of patronizing uh, so it's not kind of patronising, it's totally patronising. Um, I mean, what's next? I mean, Shakespeare, because there's anti-Semitics of the uh, thing of Merchant of Venice, there's certainly mm -hmm. anti-Semitism anti in there. Uh, I don't personally think Shakespeare was anti-Semitic. I think he was, it was just straightforward reportage. This is what society was like at this moment in time. This is what it's like now. Um, I think, if anything, personally, I think Shylock comes out of... <laughs> Yeah. The Merchant of Venice that's quite well, whereas Antonio and his crew come out like a complete shower of tossers. So that's just that's that's yeah. my view yeah, of the Merchant of yeah, well. Venice. So uh, I, I don't think it's good when we when you start to say look, you can't. We don't have these words. Look, people will just friggin' invent new words uh, for people. Um, you know, if you, if, you, if you can't, if you stop kids from using words like I don't know what you name it. You know, cake, chink, nigger. They're just going to think up new words in order to, to insult people or to to get the better of somebody else. I can remember the famous. There was a famous case. Uh, That's before I joined the army. But when the British army were in the Falklands, they used to refer to the the Falkland Islanders in a derogatory manner. The the, the general feeling they were they were a bit thick and insular, and uh, you know backward, and they were all they wore these little black woolly hats, and they they all reminded them 
of a character from a soap opera, an, an afternoon soap opera called Crossroads. And there was a guy on there who was a bit of a simpleton called Benny. So they just called the Falkland Islanders Bennies. Mm. You know, Benny this, Benny that. And like somebody obviously complained and an, an edict came down from in high that they were to be stopped, they were to stop calling them Bennies. Please don't call the locals Bennies, it's insulting. So they'd stopped calling them Bennies and they called them Stills. Mm. And they said, why do you call them stills? And it was because they're still fucking bennies, right. right? So it doesn't matter what word, you know, if you just, whatever word you get rid of, they'll find a way around it. If somebody wants to be derogatory, if somebody, if somebody wants to insult them, if somebody wants to be nasty, they'll find a way of doing it. And as soon as you start banning words, I might agree that these words are horrible, <laughs> but there's all sorts of other words out there. You know, bastard's horrible. You know, you can call somebody a bastard, a twat. I can't, you know, we, we do this regularly, I call him a twat regularly, like, you know, uh, and that's not very nice, but, you know, we, we do it. And if you do it, if you ban those words, what else, what other words do you decide are unacceptable and you can't use them? I think it's, I think it's a, a ludicrous road to go down. And certainly government shouldn't be doing it. But as far as with the, the Kill a Mockingbird thing, to me, it just it speaks of a bigger problem with, Public, know, public schools rather than anything yes, else and, and this idea that you that kids are so fragile that they need to be shielded from the realities of history in the real world it's a really bad attitude to take because humans are anti-fragile to a degree you know you need to actually be exposed to things well they might be a bit uncomfortable then that increases your level of comfort by okay i'm shocked then i need to recover just like going to the gym, you know, you if you want to be ripped, you can't do it all in one day. You need to go work out, rest, do the same. And it's the same in the field of mental health. If you've got anxiety or anything like that, you can become less anxious, but you can't do it all in one day. You need yeah. to um, experience it, then you need to recover, then experience it and recover, experience, recover, and then that builds resilience. I dare say that it's time to wrap up as we've been going. We have for a quick look to see if we'll get any comments we before we go. Don't have any comments None. today. You guys are pretty quiet. Lazy, lazy to... people that we have for viewers. Uh, all three of you. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and uh, but we'll probably be hitting it around this time next week as well. So please tune in for another episode of the Scottish Liberty Podcast. Yeah. Until in then, the meantime, don't be righty or lefty. Be, be libertarians. Liberty. <laughs>